What I want to talk to you tonight about is the difference between trials and temptations. And we get confused, I think, as the body of Christ. We get confused between the two. And I think sometimes if we just have it um, clarified what, what, which is what, it'll help us. And it'll help us to minister to other people. Because when they're suffering the consequences of temptation, sometimes we treat that as an affliction and a trial. And sometimes what we have to tell them is, well, have you repented first? Have you ever met people, or maybe you're one of those people that just keeps going through the same thing over and over and over again? And it's, well, because you haven't recognized. You think it's an affliction, but it's really a temptation, and you've succumbed to sin. So I'm going to tell you right up front, you might get your toes stepped on. I don't mean it, and I don't mean it ugly or anything, but this is just get yourself ready. Amen. Father, we just thank you that you would give me the grace and the words to speak. Father, that we wouldn't come out the same as what we came in tonight. Lord, that the eyes of our understanding would be open and that we would see things in a new, new light tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Because sometimes we just have a, a misplaced sympathy with people. You know, they're going through things. How many of you know, and please, when I ask a question, I don't mean, I really don't want to see your hands, okay? It's more of a rhetorical question. But how many of you know people that are going through things all the time? And there doesn't seem to be a break from it. And they'll say this. Well, God won't give me more than what I can handle. All right. How many of you think it's in the Bible? Please don't raise your hand. Okay. God won't give me more than what I can handle. I've seen that so much on Facebook. And it's like I want to type back and say, you know, show me the scripture for that. You know, God won't give me more than I can handle. But are we, are, is what we're handling from God? Is what the bigger question is. There's no scripture that says God won't give me more than what I can handle. It makes God look like a child abuser. When you look at some people's lives and they're, they're just under the, these heavy afflictions and heavy trials and heavy things. And, you, you know, and then they'll say things like God won't give me more than what I can handle. I guess I can handle this. Well, maybe we need to step back and look at what you're handling and see if that's from God or not. And see if we need repentance or we need restoration. Well, we always need restoration. But maybe what we, the first step is repentance before we try to restore. Because sometimes we just enable bad behavior. And we don't tell people the truth. So I'm hoping tonight you can get a little understanding on the two and some discernment when you see people struggling. Because it's all about bringing them to Christ and not pushing them away. And I want to turn first to Psalm 36 because sometimes we don't understand the character of God. One of the things about ministering at faith assembly is the maturity level of the congregation because you've all been in Christianity for so long that you're mature. So it's we don't have to start at a lower level 
Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's that most of you have been in for so long that you understand a lot of these things. So a lot of these things, I'm going to just review them and bring them back to your remembrance. But this is one of the easiest congregations I think I have ever ministered in. Because you guys are hungry and you can you pull. You pull because you're so hungry and it's just such a joy to minister. So it's not... When we talk about basic foundational things, we're not doing that to insult your spiritual intelligence. We're just doing it as a review because you've probably forgotten more than what you know. Do you know what I'm saying? So I want to talk first about the character of God. And in um, Psalm 36, starting in verse 5, it says, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. And in thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. God is merciful. God is kind. God is good. God is holy. God is on your side. And when people say dumb things like, God is not going to give me more than what I can handle, it makes God to be the taskmaster. Let's look at the difference if we go to Exodus 5. 5 through 8, and you're all familiar with this. In the Egyptians, when the Israelites were trying to get out of Egypt, and Pharaoh just keep giving them more and more work. In Exodus 5, 5 through 8, he says, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tally of the bricks, which they did make theretofore, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. All right? God is not that taskmaster. God is not saying make bricks without straw. God is not giving you more than what you can handle. The reason some of us are in trouble is because of sin. We're dealing with the consequences of sin, not the afflictions of the Lord, but the consequences of sin. And there's a big difference. He's not a taskmaster, but the enemy wants to let let you think that God's not going to give you more than what you can handle. So you can put it all off on God. Well, I don't have to repent because God won't give me more than what I can handle. Well, that's not true. It's not true. Our problems sometimes are self-inflicted. We've done it ourselves. Hey, nobody told me to go live with a man and have a baby. That wasn't in the Bible. I wasn't saved at the time. You know, and yet you look at the struggle of single parents. What if they had thought for a minute and said, okay, God, is this what you want me to do? But no, they're under such strife. And, and I'm not condemning them. Please understand because I was in those shoes. I under I get it. 
But it, it's a heavy burden. But it wasn't because God put it on me. God did not put that on me. It was me that put it on me. You know, or, you know, we, we smoke all of our lives. I've never smoked, okay, never. But people smoke all their lives, and at the end of their lives, they get lung cancer. And they go, well, you know, God won't give me more than what I can bear. Well, okay, where is the responsibility? Especially in this country, we don't want to take responsibility for our actions. We want to blame our parents. We want to blame our kids. We want to blame the government. We want to blame the church members. We want to blame whoever we could blame. And we don't want to take responsibility. I was reading an article yesterday, and the, the writer of the article said Hillary could probably be a 2020 candidate if she didn't do this one thing. And so I had to click on the article. It was like, <laughs> what didn't she have to do? Well, she, all she had to do was stop blaming everybody. And she could have probably been a candidate for 2020. So we want to blame everything. We just don't want to take personal responsibility. And so, consequently, these burdens that we have get heavier and heavier because we're listening to the taskmaster and we're not listening to God. So, first we're going to deal with temptations. And if you could turn to James... And I use a lot of scripture. And I brought my bigger Bible. And I've got them all marked out here. So. And I'm proud of that. And there's a reason I'm proud of that is because I'm on the computer an awful lot. And I don't trust computers because if I was up here with an iPad, I would know that we would get a bad connection or something. Because it happens when during Facebook it's like low connection or, you know, the broadcast has been interrupted. Well, if you're up here and you've got all of your notes on an iPad, I don't know what you do. So I'm not taking that chance. They're all here. So in James chapter 1, 12 through 17, it says... Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Okay, so right now there's our answer. With temptation, God won't tempt you with evil. God won't do that. Why? Well, would you offer your children poison to teach them a lesson? Of course you wouldn't. At least I would hope you wouldn't. So God won't do that either. God loves us. God is for us. Even Adam and Eve, he gave them a choice, and they didn't have to choose that way. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And see, our job as Christians have to intervene in between, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. All right, so we've got the lust, then we've got the sin, and then we've got the death. Sometimes what we do is we enable the sin part, because people, and Christians too, They're in sin and they're enabling and we enable them. We pat them on the shoulder, you know, and and we don't deal with it and say, well, you know, have you thought about this as sin? Or the Bible says that this is sin. We have to get a little bolder. Why? 
Because when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Do you want your friends to die? Do you want your relatives to die? Do you want your fellow church members to die? No. But the end of sin is death. So we've got to recognize the difference. And we have to stop enabling people to have bad behavior. Amen. That was good. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadows of turning. Well, that answers a lot of our question. One, God won't give us more than what we can handle is false. Why? Because it's a good gift. And some of the things that we're handling, I had somebody who's got her boyfriend or whoever is drug addicted. And this person said to me, well, it's because he's got such a great call on his life that he's battling with addictions. And I said, no. I said, the reason he's battling addictions is because he succumbed to sin. Not everybody who's battling things is because God's called them to do something great for God. It's because they've succumbed to sin. And we have to call it sin, and we have to call it that. Instead of saying, see, the coward's way out is to say, yeah, you know, he must have had a real big call on his life to make her feel better. When you want to say, get away from that. Don't enable that. Stop giving them money. Stop giving them a place to live. Stop enabling this behavior. Because you're not doing either of them any good. So God won't give us more than what we can handle, but we can sure pile it on ourselves. Amen? And other people can. You know, out of control behavior, spending, out of control eating, I can say amen to that. There's good eats up in North Texas, i got to tell you. <laughs> and I've gained 10 pounds since I've been here. So my eating has been, I've got to pull my eating back. Amen? Because I can't gain 10 pounds for every year I'm up here. So I gotta, I gotta stop enabling bad behavior. He's gotta stop enabling me by saying, well honey, you wanna go out for, and it's like, yeah, because there's all these, we haven't even scratched the surface of the great restaurants that are up here. You know, out of control entertainment, hours on the computer, substance abuse, they all have consequences that God doesn't have any part of. And yet we say when we're dealing with something big, well, God won't give me more than what I can handle. The burdens are heavy because of our poor choices. It's not because of anything else. Now, God will help us out of it. We just have to repent. Amen. I just have to say no to you when you want to go out to eat. No. But I have to take him out for his birthday. Right. So now we get on the same the same ugly cycle. That we've been on. But that's another sermon. And that's another message for another day. But um, if you could turn to Galatians. Galatians 6.
You know, a lot of times you were mentioning about prayer, and a lot of times when I pray for somebody or when somebody else prays for somebody and you see something, we were praying yesterday, Sister Frances, for somebody, and I said to her, I said, you really need to go home and just rest. I said, you look exhausted. And I was not prepared for this, okay? But she goes, well, she goes, yeah, I'm going to go home because my boyfriend works during the day, and then we're going to go to the casino tonight so I can get some rest this afternoon. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, what do you do? What do you do? You say, well, we'll see you later. See you next month. (laughs) Next month I'm going to be a little wiser, though, when I pray. All right, um, Galatians 6, 2 through 5. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then, he, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. All right, well, we've got two burdens. First he's bearing it. First he says, bear ye one another's burden. And then he says, every man shall bear his own burden. Okay, the first one, bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Pray for one another. In verse 2, pray for one another. If you see somebody who's in sin, pray for them. Pray that the eyes of their understanding are open. Pray that they become miserable in their sin. Pray that God would deal with them, that God would touch them, that God would draw them. So that's how you're bearing their burden, not enable bad behavior. It doesn't say in there, enable them in their sin. Nowhere in this Bible does God say enable them. So the first part, verse 2, bear one another's burden. So that means we're going to bear them in prayer into the war room. That so much blessed me that you guys went to the, went to the prayer room tonight. Because we had no idea. I said to Sherry, I know they're not raptured because we're here. I don't know where they are. <laughs> yeah. But you get to partake in the, the reward of this, this sermon tonight because you took the time to go back and pray. So bury one another's burden. How? Bear it in prayer. For every man shall bear his own burden in verse 5. His own personal responsibility. Even if... You want to blame somebody else. God holds you responsible for your own behavior. I'm responsible if I want that big piece of cake. That's my responsibility to say no. If you're responsible to pray and say, please help Pat like apples better. And please help Pat get to the gym. And please help Pat to be healthy because we love her and we want her to be around a long time. But it's my personal responsibility in verse 5 to do something about it. It's your responsibility in verse 2 to pray about it. Do you see how we bear one another's burdens? It doesn't mean... Now, if there's an extraordinary burden, like somebody loses their home or somebody's spouse died, that's an extraordinary burden. And that you help people through. That's why we have the body of Christ is because no person is an island unto themselves. We all need each other. And there's times when we need each other. Or like when Brady was sick, that you needed the body of Christ to, to come and surround you. 
So that's the bear the extraordinary burdens and pray and and see, you know, do you need a meal? Is everything okay? You know, what what do you need? How can we help? But that's an extraordinary burden. It's not a burden of every day because somebody's irresponsible. And see, we have to see the difference of it. Because as long as someone sees their sin as a burden from God, then there's no there's no need to repent. And see, it, it all comes down to are we helping them or are we hurting them? And if we enable their bad behavior, we're hurting them. Because they're not going to look up. As long as you're taking care of them, they're not going to look up. They won't have to. They don't have to see their behavior as sin. All they have to do is have another sob story. And it's like, well, okay, you know, we'll, we'll go around the mountain again. And if it's from God, then whose fault is it? If God, if God gives me, if God won't give me more than I can bear, then it's God's fault that I'm bearing this. So now, in addition to blaming our parents, our kids, our church, our government, our town, now we're blaming God for what he's doing. And he's not at fault, ever. God's not a bully. And he's not a child abuser. And it absolves us responsibility for our life when we say things like, God won't give us more than what we can bear. Well, this is good. You know, if I'm going through it, then God must be behind it. Because all things work together for good. No, not if I'm going through it. If I'm going through it, God's going to get me through it, whether I've done it but to myself or whether it's a trial, which we're going to get. I, I wanted to get through the the bad part first, the temptation part. I wanted to get through that because the, the trials are a little bit easier to go through. Many times our poor choices have led us and not God. How many times did you hear the gospel before you accepted it? See, it was a choice. I heard it for a long time before I accepted it. My poor choices led me in a different direction. That wasn't God's will. God's will was for me to hear the gospel when I was young, to respond to it in a positive way, and set my feet on a right path. That's God's will for everybody's life. It's not God's will for Adolf Hitler to do what he did. It's not God's will for any of those things that have happened in this world or even in your personal life that were bad. That wasn't God's will for your life. But many times poor choices are poor choices or poor choices of other people too. So we're just going to leave it that for temptations for now. And I want to look like what our trials what looks like a trial from God with temptation, what looks like a trial from God is oftentimes just the consequences of a poor choice or a bad choice. Now, what's the remedy for a bad choice? Repentance. What's our job? Our job is to confront the sin, either in our own lives or in somebody else's lives, to help lead them to repentance, but not being holier than thou. I mean, don't be don't be stupid about it. Whether you're gonna don't push them away 
by your holier than thou attitude. Because that's not going to, that's not, it says the goodness of God is what draws people. You know, don't push away when you see somebody in sin. If you don't think you can relate to them on a level that they understand, then pray for them and say, God, put a laborer in their path. Because how many of you had bad boyfriends or bad girlfriends and somebody tried to tell you about it? And you wouldn't listen. What did it do? It drew you closer to that person. It didn't draw you farther away. So we have to be careful. It says you who are spiritual restore one somebody. So if somebody's in sin, you see it, you don't think you could relate to them in a way that they're going to understand. You think that you might push them away. Then you just pray and say, God, send a labor in their path, somebody that they'll receive it from, that they'll hear it from. Sometimes they can hear something on the radio. It doesn't even have to be a person. You know, God is so multifaceted. I needed some, once I needed a helper in toddlers, this was a long time ago, and somebody came up to me and said, I I had a dream that I'm supposed to help you in toddlers. So don't discount that God can't show people something in a way that they can receive it if you don't think that you're the person. Because some of us can be too harsh or hard just because we're trying to get them to do the right thing. So we get pushy and we try to control them and or we tell them they're going to hell, which, you know, they probably already know that anyways. Deep down they do, even though they maybe will deny it. So if you don't think you're up to being able to gently restore them, then just pray and say, God, send somebody to gently restore them. Amen? Because it doesn't matter if, if, if you see it, it doesn't matter that you, you don't always have to do something about it. Personally, do something about it. You know, like if this... Remember, like a, when we first came here, that fan was like rocking real crazy one service. Okay, we had to do something about it. We shut it off. And then we had to find somebody who could. We all saw that it, something had to be done, right? But we all couldn't do it. So do you see what I'm saying is if you see that there's a problem, pray for it. And pray God send the right laborer for that person that they'll receive, that they'll understand. Because ultimately we want to save them from lust, sin, death. Amen? So we want to catch them at the sin part. If we can catch them at the lust part and they can shun that, then that's even better. But if you see them in a sin and you're not thinking you're the person, then first of all, be really sure. Sometimes we're so coward we don't want to say anything. Right? Anybody in here not a, anybody in here coward besides me because I don't like to confront. Okay, I'm, that's not. If I do confront, it's because God has finally made it abundantly clear to me that that's what I have to do. I'm not a confronter. I just assume not confront before I do anything. But if you're like that, then you're likely to say, "Well, God." You don't want me to do anything, so I'm just going to pray, because that's what Sister Pat said Sunday night, is just pray. Well, you might be the person. So, see, we have to hear from God and hear what God wants. So, we want to go back to temptation. What looks like a trial from God is sometimes just dealing with the consequences. Okay, Adam and Eve, they were tempted 
They fell, they dealt with the consequences. That wasn't affliction. That was consequences. Cain, he committed murder. He dealt with the consequences. He was, he was banished. But God showed him mercy in that. Because God said, he said, this is more than what I can bear. So God made it so that Cain wouldn't be killed. But it wasn't affliction. That was Cain's consequence. It was the result of his sin. King David and Bathsheba. What was that? Consequences or affliction? It was consequences. Samson. He allowed Delilah into his life. That's not God's will. Okay, everything we do is not God's will. We would like it to be God's will. And God can turn things for us, but everything isn't. Okay, Samson, not 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 a trial. That was com- that was consequences. God didn't give this to Samson to bear. And some scripture that I was reading, and it's not on the list, Sherry, so don't worry about it. And if I can find it quickly, and I've got to say this to Clarence like ten times the last week, and it's even better. And I hope I can find it quick enough. Okay, yep, Ezekiel eight thirty three eighteen. When the righteous turn from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. O you house of Israel, I will judge you every one after his ways. And the commentary that I was reading said that even if you're righteous for a, a thousand days... It doesn't take care of the poison if you take it on a a day a thousand and one. So even if you live a whole righteous life and then you go kind of squirrely at the end, it kind of negates everything that you've done. I mean, this is how seriously God takes sin. So we have to look out for one another. Amen. And when somebody's saying, well, you know, we're under this heavy trial. God's not going to give me more than what I can handle. I'm going to get through this. We have to examine it in our own lives. And we start saying things like that and say, all right, you know, is it a trial? Or am I suffering the consequences of bad behavior that I just can't see? All right. I thought it was okay. Or, and I mean, most of us know when we're not doing the right thing, right? Most of us know. Amen. You guys are quiet. up, And if you could be up here on this side of it. And see your faces. You wouldn't want to be up here right now. All right. Other um, people. Not a trial. Judas hung himself. Not a, That was a consequence. Balaam. Not a trial. That was a consequence. Achan. Remember Achan? He stole stuff from the Egyptians and he hid it. And his whole family was stoned. Even the animals were stoned. Not a trial. That was a consequence. Herod. Turn to Acts 12. And we're going to read 21 through 23. 
Upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Not a trial. That's a consequence of bad behavior. Because if you look in the beginning of the chapter, now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. So what happened to him was a consequence, not a trial. So you see, none of this is something that God caused for us to bear. Or them, it wasn't a trial, it was a consequence. And that's why we have to we have to challenge people when they say God's not going to give me more than what I can handle. God tells us to resist temptation so we won't have to deal with the consequences. You have the power to resist temptation. You have the power. I have the power to resist temptation. Look at Acts or I'm sorry, Psalm 119. Verse 101 and verse 110. 101 says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. That's a good one. I erred not. The wicked laid a snare, but I erred not from my precepts. Jesus was also tempted, but he didn't sin. The Bible says he was tempted in all the ways that we were tempted. And he left a pattern for us. He said it is written. So what you know in the Bible is going to help you. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.13. Our Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mark 14. Thirty-seven and thirty-eight. And he cometh and find them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Could thou not watch in one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Luke twenty-one thirty-three. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heeds to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of this whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And to stand before the Son of God. Watch and pray. Be careful. Don't make mistake. Don't make excuses for behavior. Don't put it off on God saying he's not going to give me more than what I can handle. If your life is a total mess right now, guess what? God can set it in order tonight. You don't have to walk out the same way. You don't have to leave here like you came. Because God has a remedy for lives where you're under such oppression, sometimes it's a, 
the door opens just some way little. You know, you just you're not reading your Bible as much or you're not praying as much. And, you know, then you get this little thought in your head. Oh, they must not really like me. Oh, well, I'll be. I'm just I'm just going to stop. I'm going to just stop going to church. I'm just going to stop that. Well, we've opened up a door of a crack. And, and that's, see, no temptation that is, caught, is, 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 un, is common to man. We're going to read that in a little bit. I'm kind of getting ahead. But I want to read some other scripture first. You know, it's not, we're not saying these things to shame you. We're saying these things to educate you, to, to get your spirit to see. And so you can help other people too, not just for you, but for other people. So when they start whining that God won't give me more than what I can bear, this must be my lot in life. I just want to slap them all the time and say this. God, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. Um, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Amplified says, act like men and be courageous, grow in strength. You know, for the ladies, act like a lady. Amen? Good soldier of God. James 4, 7, submit to God. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. See, it's good. Sometimes resistance is good. The Democrats don't always have it. It's good for us to resist too. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Okay, now we're going to 1 Corinthians 10. But I want to start with verse 1 because it kind of leads to the whole, we're going to read 1 through 14. It says, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. And Paul says that a lot. I don't want you to be ignorant. So we know that we can be ignorant. If he says don't be ignorant, then we know that there's a possibility that we can be. How that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. Okay, now we're going to go through the things that we should not do. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Okay, so we've got a list there, and if we do any of those things, if we're tempted to do them and we fall... Look at some of the things, murmuring, complaining, lusting after things. So if we do those things, those are called sin. So if we do those things and we sin, 
What is the result of sin? Death. So he gave us a tiny list. She said, don't do those things. And if you go back and you read about the Israelites, you can see that they were nothing but a group of crybabies. Here they had been under bondage. God got them out. And then all they did was complain about what they were eating and everything else. And they turned against Moses. So he left a list for us. Now all these things, verse 11, happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. So if we've done any of those things, it's called sin. If we've murmured and complained, I mean, murmuring and complaining in this country is is a sin. We have been so blessed in this country. Even the poorest person in this country, the, the people in other countries would trade places with the poorest person in this country in a heartbeat. I mean, we're so blessed. There's so many things out here. If you're hungry, there's, there's food pantries in every community in the United States. There's ways to get food. There's ways to get things if you just follow some steps. And you have to, a lot of people are homeless because they just won't obey. Not everybody, and I realize that people have some problems, and we're not going to make light of that. But he says, wherefore, let him that think he stand take heed lest he fall. And that's a serious scripture for all of us. Don't think you're so holy that you can't fall. It says, now, there had no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. So all the temptations... Remember, Jesus was tempted in a desert just like we are tempted. The only difference is Jesus had victory 100% of the time, but he left us with a pattern that we should follow. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. Now we're talking about a little bit different than we're not talking about the temptation that we, we lust after something, we go after it, we fall into sin. We're talking about God. But with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The way of escape is the cross. That's the way of escape. So we'll make with the temptation also a way to escape. So if you don't use that way of escape and you're tempted and you fall, it's called sin. Now, how do we get back? It's the way that Jesus left, which is the cross, by way of the cross. The cross is the example, or is the answer to all of our problems. The cross, the cross of Christ. But we'll also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The answer is the cross. What's the answer to the sin problem? The answer is the cross. What's the answer if we're... If we've fallen in temptation, the answer is the cross. He's made a way out for us, and he's made a way out for everybody that we know that's being afflicted. But they have to see the answer. So now we're going to just say the, the word affliction is misery, state of pain, distress. Things that happened to us that we had no part in doing. Now, here's the, some of the examples. Joseph, he was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, thrown into prison. 
Right? Joseph didn't have anything to do with that. Sold into slavery. He didn't, you know, and somebody said, well, he made his brothers mad or whatever. No, he, you know, all right, maybe he did that, but that's not really the, the right answer to throw somebody in the pit and sell them to slavery. So we'll call that an affliction. Job. When God said, have you considered my servant Job? Paul had been afflicted. The woman bent over for 18 years. Jesus said, how is it that this woman, this child of God, has been afflicted? So he used the word afflicted. So see, it isn't that things don't happen that we don't have control over because things happen all the time that we don't have control over. You know, we don't we don't have control over what our bodies sometimes do. And I'm not talking about if you abuse your body. and But, I mean, if some things happen, they just, they happen. They just happen. We don't have to know why they happen, but we know the answer. The answer is the cross. Job 23.10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There are afflictions. And what Joseph said to his brothers, he said, What you meant for harm... God meant for good. But it wasn't a temptation. It was affliction. Now, God can take bad things that we do and turn them for our good. But it would be far better if we just pay attention and obey the first time and not have to go through the bad things. Amen? And I wished I had a long time ago when I heard the gospel when I was in my 20s. Heard it and received it and acted on it. I would have saved myself a world of trouble. Can't cry over spilled milk. Amen. I'm sure we've all got those stories of things that we wished we hadn't have done. But God uses our trials and afflictions to refine and mature us. So when you're going through something you don't understand and you say, Lord, I know... You know, I hadn't, and sometimes we can get so sin conscious after we hear a message like this. I want to try to balance it because, you know, everything that's happened to you is not because of sin. But we do live in a sin-soaked atmosphere. We live in a sin-soaked world. There are diseases here that, you know, we don't have control over. We just don't have control over it. And God will help us and give us the grace to go through it. But... Every time something happens to you, please don't sit there and go, okay, did I sin? Did I sin? What did I do? Because the curse causeless doesn't come, so I must have done something. Well, no. All right. You know, if you, if you knew that you sin, then take care of it. Repent and say, now, God, help me. Give me the help to get through the consequence of this. Amen? Afflictions, they, they happen, and it's like, what the heck is happening here? Because you know when you sin, and then you know when you're not doing is, you know, when you're doing pretty good. But we don't have to try to explain everything. We don't have to try to categorize every time somebody gets into something. Oh, look at that. They've got cancer. I wonder what they did. (laughs) We don't have to do that. But if you know that they're in sin, then speak to them and say, you know, I mean, what, what are the obvious things, okay? I mean, obvious things. Go to the Ten Commandments. If they're breaking one of the Ten Commandments and you know it and it's a repeated, not if somebody does something once, but if it's a repeated offender thing and you know it and we're not going to enable them because we've already covered that, then you go to them. 
But don't sit there and analyze yourself. I mean, some of us, because we so much want to please God, that we get so down on ourselves every single day that we're, you know, if we say, you know, well, get out of here and leave me alone. It's like, you know, that's a three-day thing that we feel so bad about and we just can't seem to get over with. So I, I want to try to balance this so we're not... I don't want you to go out there and just, like, examine yourself. If you get a cold and you say, well, I wonder what I did to get that. You know, we, we don't want to be like that either. But we can preach this here because you guys are mature enough to, to understand what I'm saying. Amen? So we're going to go to First Peter. Just a couple more scriptures. First Peter chapter one, three through seven, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now, for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, does, will your faith get tried? Yes. Will you have afflictions? Yes. Will you sometimes suffer the consequences of your wrong behavior through sin? Yes. But there's a remedy for that. You don't have to beat yourself from now until you die. The remedy is the cross. Repentance. If you say something bad to somebody and you wish you hadn't said, go to them and say, I'm sorry I said that. Is it going to hurt to say I'm sorry? No. You know, or I'm sorry that I did that, or whatever you need to do. The cross is the is the equalizer. And Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, but he didn't give in. And he got thrown into prison. Right? So the first was a temptation. Thank God he didn't suffer the consequences of that, but he on the heels of that he got an affliction. He got thrown into prison for something he didn't do. So can you see the difference of between the temptation and the affliction? You can be tempted to curse God and die like Job. You can murmur and complain like the Israelites. You can try to take a shortcut out of a trial. And Joseph, he almost took a shortcut out. All he had to do was go with Potiphar's wife. But these are all character issues that God wants to deal with. He wants to deal with our characters so we, we can be more mature. That's what the afflictions do. It brings you to a greater maturity as you're going through it. Because you learn things when you're being afflicted. You learn things. You learn what to say. You learn not what to say. You learn that when you make a sin and you got to go back and ask somebody to forgive you. So you grow. You grow in grace. And God's with you all the time. But it's not more than what you can bear. He's not going to put more on you. So if you're dealing tonight with more than what you can bear, 
then you need to check and see what, first of all, what your attitude is. Do you have a poor me attitude and you're whining all the time? Why would you whine when we have heaven's resources at our fingertips for everything we need? And when we say that he gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness, then we get this one little thing happen and all of a sudden we're whining and, oh God, why are you doing this to me? Well, we need to stop and grow up. Amen? I can tell that this is not a shouting message. 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, we're almost there. We're just right, depends on where how big your Bible is. And mine's just right across the way. Um, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Okay, now we're talking about trials. Things that you didn't plan on. Things that you didn't do. Just like Joseph didn't plan on being thrown in a pit that day. Things that happen. All kinds of things can happen that we didn't plan on. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Doesn't that make it feel better when you're going through something? He says, rejoice. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. And we can see this in our country. Get ready for the persecution. Because Christianity is fast going out of style in this country. So these verses are going to be very important. But look at what he says in verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory. Glorify God on this behalf. So if we're suffering for Christ's sakes, then glory in that. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? You think about all the trials that you're going through. It's nothing compared to those that are outside of this house that aren't serving God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So I hope you can see God is not giving you more than what you can handle. Amen. And if you've got more than what you can handle, we're going to pray for you tonight. We're not going to ask anybody to come up, but I'm going to ask my husband if he can come up to the piano. Because sometimes things get heavy. Even when we're doing the right things. And we just need a little bit of agreement from our brothers and sisters. Amen. And we need a little bit of help so that we can get some of those burdens off. Because sometimes we do get, we pull in to ourselves, anybody like that. And we don't want to talk to anybody or we don't want to call anybody. We just don't want to go through it because, you know, sometimes... um 
I don't know. People get crazy, I guess. I don't know. But when you're going through stuff, sometimes it's just, I like to go through stuff by myself. And I don't know how many of you like to go through by yourself because then you don't have to answer a lot of questions. You know, it's like, whoa. You know, and if I say anything like to my sisters, my sister up in Maine, she's got like 50 solutions that she wants me to try. And it's like, well, I've got to pray. That's how I take care of my stuff. i got to pray. And my sister is like, well, this shouldn't have happened. And this, why is that? And, and she goes nuts. So guess what? I tell her nothing. Amen? So some of us, but we need help in prayer. Because some of us are struggling with stuff that are too big for us to handle. So we want to share in one another's burden tonight. And I just want you to just bow your head. And we just thank that, that we, just, we just serve such a big and precious God. And Lord God, for, for those that don't have, you know, I'm so blessed. I've got a prayer partner right in my house. And when we're dealing with stuff, I'll, I'll just look and say, Clarence, we've got to go take communion right now. And we go and take it. And I just feel peace. I feel calm. But some of us are by ourselves. And Father God, we just lift up those who are by themselves, that are lonely. Father God, those that don't have their prayer partner. And that just feel that it's overbearing and they can't stand it. Father, we just lift them up to you. Father, that you would be the burden bearer for all that needs to be done. Father, that we're not meaning to murmur and complain, but just sometimes it just it is hard. And life is hard, and God knows it's hard. He's not trying to be mean. But, Father, that you would forgive us for thinking that you've given us more than what we can handle and being upset with you, Lord. God, that you would forgive us. God, that you would help us to, to see the, the way out of some of our dilemmas that we have. And, Father God, that you would send a special healing touch, not only to our bodies, but to our minds. Father, that we would serve you. Lord, I know that everybody in this room loves you. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Everyone in this room loves you, and they want to please you. And, Father, I am thanking you. I thank you for their devotion to you. I thank you, Lord, that... You would just touch them. Father, for those that, that are perfectionists, that everything's got to be perfect or that things aren't, things just, if they're not perfect, that things are just go bad because things aren't perfect and you're always trying to get things to be perfect. Father God, give them rest from their weariness. Let them rest, Father, and let them see that it's good enough. That it's good enough that everything doesn't have to be in place. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Father, we just thank you for that touch. Father, for those of us who are enabling others to have bad behavior. Father, because we want to just love them and we want to bring them into the kingdom. We just don't know how. Father, that you would give us a boldness. Give us boldness, Father, to confront those. Father, in sin. And that we would say no when we need to say no. And we would say yes when we need to say yes. Father, that we would see, Lord, in our own lives where we've been tempted and drawn away. Father, that you would forgive us. 
that you would help us to deal with the consequences. And Father, that we would become strong in you. And Father, for each one that's going through trials with either health or loved ones or domestic or finances, for each one that's going through afflictions and trials, we thank you, Father, as we declare we're going to come out like gold and say the Lord is on our side. And God, we just thank you. We just give you praise. Lord, you are so good. We just love you, Lord. We just love you. And Father, we just thank you for all the good that you've done to us and for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many have ever had questions about temptation and trials? <laughs> the Bible said if we're tempted, we're drawn away of our own lust. And what she was saying tonight, we can't blame God for that. <laughs> Amen. But yet there's other things like Joseph went through that that was hard on him, but God brought him through it. Amen. And I'll tell you what, because of that, he's all we need. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Oh, He's all I need. He's all we need. All that I need. Jesus is all I need. He's all I need. He's all that I need. Jesus is all that I need. You know, David, she quoted some of the Psalms. We, and Paula taught on it this morning. Psalms 23. We taught on it at the uh, rest home last week or last time we were there. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. See, that's what God does. He leads us beside still waters. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. The devil comes to attack. The devil's the one that wants to destroy the temple of this of the Holy Ghost. How many knows your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost? So we have the right to just claim what God's Word says. And even though you may be attacked, you're, even though you're walking through that valley, God's there to uphold you, keep you, and restore you. Praise God. And we're going to, we're restored in Jesus' name. And Paul's, 
Paul said something over in Romans, the uh, eighth chapter, that all these things, the calamities and things that happen in our life, you know, the devil wants to cause confusion in you. That's his whole purpose, confuse you, make you think God doesn't like you. God doesn't want to bless you. But it, but you have to remember at the end of that chapter there, he said, Yea, in all these things, in all of what things, those things that the enemy brings, in all of these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then that famous scripture, that the Holy Ghost prays through you. He prays through you. He prays the will of God for your situation. See, the trials, and how many understand what's the difference between the trials and the temptations that she was talking about? When we're in temptation and we sin, we brought the consequences. I've had people tell me, well, I, I'm a firm believer in obedience and tithing. Amen? How many believes that? You, you believe, I, I believe if you obey, obey God, that God will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. We're not under the curse. Amen? But yet I've seen people that, well, I can't afford to do it this week, or I can't afford to do this this month, or I can't afford... You know how, how many understand what I'm saying? They, they can't afford... You can't afford not to. And I, I'm just using that as one, one illustration. But because, you see, we bring things up on us. But then there's times that the devil attacks. Pat and I went through some times uh, right after we got married, and, and uh, things didn't... People didn't fulfill their end of the bargain, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Is what uh, was was happening. And we had some tough times. But you know what? We didn't whine and cry. And we didn't call people and say, Oh, dear Lord, pray for us. We're not going to have our rent money. Or we're not going to do it. No. You know what we did? We just agreed together. Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, God's going to pray according to the will of God for you. And where you think your answer is coming from, God may bring it through a different source. And I'd rather just put it in God's hands. Amen? But amen. I tell you what, we're victorious. Everybody say, I'm victorious. We're overcomers. Praise the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, you look like an overcomer. Amen. Some of you are going to act like an overcomer. You're going to start shouting. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's so good. We want to remember Tuesday morning, those that can be there with us at the uh, rest home. Be there with us. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun time. It's a time. You're ministering to people that can't get out and go nowhere. And, and, it, and it's, it's your opportunity to minister to them. And then Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, all the members need to be here. And uh, we're going to have a meeting that's, uh, well, it's one of those necessary meetings. <laughs> and we just, you know, we got to keep everything in order the way God wants it. And uh, how many believe God causes order, not disorder? Amen. And so there's order to things. And uh, some people say, well, I don't want to get involved in church stuff. Well, no, that's just part of the order of things. <laughs> and God's in charge. Amen. And God's in control. Amen. Well, turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you came tonight. Hallelujah. And we're going to leave here because we feel good. Amen. Woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. I woke up 
with joy in my soul. For the Lord had control. Well, I'm walking and walking in the light. I've been on my knees in the night. 